Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You're here, you made it to us. You love romantic comedies, which is great news because we do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms. Maybe break them down. It's our intro. I can't remember what it is. What? You can't remember our intro? So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? We're like over 100 episodes now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I I don't know why. One word slipped out of my brain. Uh, this week we have 17, 17 again. again. And if you want to be the new host of the Rom-Com Rewind, we're actually looking <laughs> for one. Funny enough. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no matter where you're listening. Cut. <laughs> Jeez Louise. No matter where you're listening, make sure you throw us a follow. And hey, please follow us on Instagram. A lot of uh, conversations, kind of they, they kind of have a second life on our Instagram. A lot of different things happening you can stay updated on the pod there at rom-com rewind we have a message we do yeah so sydney messaged us and this was uh about our twilight episode a few weeks ago she said listening to the twilight episode now i live in oregon and a lot of twilight was filmed in my hometown of oregon city since i'm only 20 minutes uh in i'm not sure what details you mentioned of the filming in the quick facts but i'd figure i'd share some of my own i love that because she was listening to the pod stopped it and immediately like messaged us. <laughs> i know like, hey, i, love I gotta it. talk to you about i this. love this She went on to say the mill scene was filmed at one of the original paper mills in Oregon called the Blue Heron Paper Mill. It's not in a it's not a working mill anymore and is currently being torn down as the land was recently repurchased by the original Native American tribes who owned the land. The school trip to the greenhouse was filmed at Clackamas, hopefully I'm saying that okay, uh, community college in one of their environmental science buildings. And the same year the film was released to theaters, my school coincidentally took a trip of our own um, to the same building. Of course, there's the infamous Carver Cafe where Bella and Charlie get dinner every night. It's a small local mom and pop kind of place and the owners recently sold it. The restaurant was going to close down. However, the locals loved it so much that they banded together and bought it and uh, kept the staff on. So it really is in. uh, So it's still in operation today. The forest scene where Bella gets Edward to confess he's a vampire is at Stone Cliff Inn, a restaurant not too far from Carver Cafe. They filmed most of that within 10, uh, 10 feet of the parking lot. Uh, she went on to say, if you and Devin get the chance to come to the Pacific Northwest, I highly recommend you do. It's not as blue as the Twilight filter, but it's super <laughs> great and Twilight vibes are very much felt. That is amazing. This is so cool. Okay. Thank you so much for the yes. message. I, I want to talk about two things. Here. Okay. First of all, I think every, you listening, you can probably think of something, but I feel like every Every town, every city in North America, you probably have like that one iconic, like there's a show that films there or there's a movie that Mm -hmm. filmed there. Like, for example, I've got friends in Calgary and it was a really big thing last year, how The Last of Us, the show Mm -hmm. filmed in Calgary. So they were like dressing up highways with like broken down cars and police vehicles and like they would shut down whole highways to film. And people weren't upset. They were like, this is so cool. (laughs) They thought it was awesome. Um, so, So go ahead and think about what that might be in your own place. But- where Sarah and I live. Yes. 
and I have a theory about this show. Oh, goodness. There's oh. two shows that film here. <laughs> yeah. There is, I mean, significant show. There, there's a lot of like random stuff that films, yeah. but significantly, the show Letterkenny films mm-hmm. where we live, and the spinoff show Shorzy, Shorzy films where we live. Yes. And I am convinced. <laughs> I think this is statistically true. You know, like six degrees of Kevin Bacon? I oh think there God. are 0.8 degrees. He always makes it back into our lives. <laughs> I don't know how, but he does. Besides the fact of Kevin Bacon, I think there are 0.8 degrees of separation with everybody in our city and the show Shorzy. What I mean by 0.8 is there are so many people who are extras in this show. I think you're an extra and you don't even know it. The amount of friends I have who are like, oh, check out me on Shorzy here. And it's a clip of the back of some guy's head. I'm like, that's you, Chris. He's like, yeah, that's the back of my head on this. I'm not even kidding. That's real. I was chatting about this with some friends. And randomly this girl's like, oh yeah, my mom was on that show. Like what? Your mom was on Shorzy? And she's like, yeah, they were just looking for extras for a thing. Yeah. They're looking for extras all the time. It's remarkable. It's crazy. And I'm sure, like you listening, you probably have a similar show in your hometown or your city where they're like, yeah, gosh, you know what? Fast and the Furious, they're always looking for oh car people. Or I don't know, I don't know what movie, it might be. It's because those movies never end. What are they on now, 15? <laughs> Honestly, like imagine they shoot everything in Miami and every person in Miami is like, dude, I've been in Fast and the Furious. What oh are you talking God. about? Anyway, think about that for your own town, your <laughs> yeah. own city. For us, it's Shorzy, I think. Shorzy and Letterkenny. Uh, 17 again, though, is a 2009 American teen fantasy or romantic comedy. It's directed by Burr Steers, which might be my favorite name for a director. Oh my gosh. Um, we should is, keep track. <laughs> this is the story of Mike O'Donnell, played by Matthew Perry and Zach Efron. Later in the film, he goes by Mark O'Donnell. But this is a classic. We're talking a body swap movie, time swap, kinda. Mike O'Donnell, Zach Efron. We meet him in high school. He's the all-star basketball jock. He had aspirations of playing college basketball until his girlfriend Scarlett becomes pregnant. This occurs back in 1989. Now, in present day, though, Mike O'Donnell, played by Matthew Perry at this point, is he's struggling with his career, can't connect with his kids, uh, Alex, his kid, uh, his son, played by Sterling Knight, or Maggie, played by Michelle Trachtenberg. And he has a failing marriage with Scarlett, played now by Leslie Mann. Uh, all of this comes to head as Mike finds himself back at his old high school. And after meeting a sage, weird, wise, wizened janitor, his body, through a series of events, is swapped back to his high school self. It's Zac Efron again. So he can relive his high school days alongside his actual children who attend the same school. And obviously... Um, Make no mistake, we are doing this film at this time after the unfortunate passing of Matthew Perry a few weeks ago. Um, And also before we dive in, just for context, this film grossed $139 million on a $40 million budget. So it was a big deal back in 09. What are your thoughts on 17 again? Hey, Mike, I can tell you're down, but you're looking at Scarlett kicking you out of the house. Hey, that's my stuff. And the kids want nothing to do with you as a negative. Can you just turn down the music? I guess it's mostly negative, isn't it? Really, I had no upside for that. Mike O'Donnell is at an age when life seems to have passed him by. Bet you wish you had it to do all over again. You got that right. But in one extraordinary moment... Hey! Get off of there! He'll get to turn back the clock... And be 17. I really liked this movie, and I remembered from 
watching it the first time that I really enjoyed it. I loved, I, I, you know what? I think I'm a lover of like the body swap or like the time swap or like whatever. Yeah. I like those movies. And this was just a continuation of that. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it had everything I wanted in it. Um, Zac Efron and his abs. Um, it had (laughs) Matthew Perry, who I love Leslie Mann. Love her. I think everyone in this movie was um, really well done. It even had Jan from The Office. Got Jan. <laughs> Yo, I was so excited to see Jan again. Were you? Absolutely. <laughs> Anybody from The Office could be in anything, and it's I'll be true. like, oh my God. They're it's Kevin, it's They're Kevin Malone from The Office. Like, this oh is so my cool. Goodness. Yeah, no, it was really fun. I, I found it. Um, like I said, for so many movies, like I've said, it's just an easy watch, but it is entertaining the whole time. Like I never questioned, oh my God, is this over yet? Or, oh, they don't need this portion of the movie. I enjoyed the whole thing. Zach Efron, 22 at the filming of this. So oh, okay. Just in, <laughs> I feel like we do, do go through a thing <laughs> with Zach Efron where like, He's attractive, and people were like, well, how old was he when we filmed this? Oh, tw- oh okay, 22, 22. It's, it's okay. It's fine. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, this feels like a combination of, what, 13 going on 30, mm-hmm. Back to the Future. You got it. Maybe a little Freaky Friday. I'm going to throw in a little Miss Doubtfire. Just because there is a a dad connecting to his kids is kind of the core oh, of the film. Oh, I never you know? even would have thought of that. Yeah, it feels a little Miss Just like instead of being... You know, a, a British seventy-year-old grandma. grandma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you are literally changed and morphed into your seventeen-year-old self, high, high school self. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's funny we talk a lot about him. I I was reticent to give so much credit to one person who, admittedly, I think he would even admit it was overhyped during this era. But Zac Efron does nail this. Like, it's kind of, I I was walking into this being like, oh, it was the Zac Efron pandemonium. Is he actually good? Yes. Honestly, he was. He, he wasn't just good. He made me think he was a young Matthew Perry. Like, he, he hit a lot of the Matthew Perry mannerisms that I really, I was like, oh, you know what? You're pulling it off a little bit. I'm seeing it. And actually... Matthew Perry had talked about this before passing away, saying that he was writing this story of his life, and he did want Zac Efron to play a young him again. Oh, cool. Because of the performance in this film, which I think is really cool. And it, it does shine through. You do watch it, and you're like, yeah, you know, he he nails it. It is, it's impressive. Um, outside of that, this film does feel very fresh with me because it has a family element to it, which I think a lot of body swap movies, yeah, they have a little, like Freaky Friday, there was a little bit of a family element, but it was just like mother-daughter. This is like a dad and both of his kids and his wife and a failing, like it kind of encompassed m- more family stuff, mm-hmm. um, which which I, I liked. It was heartwarming. It was awkward at times, but it was... It was kind of grounded in a way that I think really shines through. Yeah, those those are my thoughts, opening thoughts on 17 again. So as you mentioned, the movie opens with the year being 1989 and Mike is in high school. He's a jock, most popular, amazing at basketball, is going to go somewhere next year for college on a basketball scholarship. He has a big game where there's a scout coming to see him play. But just before the biggest game of his life, his girlfriend at the time, Scarlett, tells him that she's pregnant. He blows the game, drops the ball, and runs after her, asking her to marry him. And uh, we find out that later. But um, that he is choosing her over 
you know, his basketball career and that he wants to be with her. Fast forward to today, which in in the movie is actually 2007. Uh, He's living with his bestie, Ned Gold from high school, who was the who played the mascot when they were in high school in 1989. His wife, Scarlett, kicked him out and his kids want nothing to do with him. Mike is supposed to get a big promotion at work that day and is passed over and then subsequently fired. He heads to his old high school and there he is reliving his glory days by walking through the gym and looking at old photos of him and his team where when he meets a janitor who is probably, I would say something like a guardian angel or like a genie or something like that. Yeah, what is he? Well, a spirit guide. We do end up seeing or finding out that he is what is called a spirit guide. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and grants his desire to do it all over again, go back to being 17 uh, without him even realizing that he's made the request. Of course, as we see in all those movies, you don't actually realize you're wishing or wanting something. You say it kind of out loud, aloof, and then all of a sudden you're 17 again. You yell at Jamie Lee Curtis in a bathroom and then it happens, you know? You open a fortune cookie. Yeah, that's there's an earthquake or something. Yeah. yeah. Mike picks up his kids from school and brings them to a children's ice cream shop and it shows just how out of touch he really is with his own kids. They are teenagers. One's a senior and I would say one's a junior, let's say, or a sophomore. sophomore. Maybe. Yeah. When Mike drops his kids off at his old house, because he's now kicked out, he sees his ex, Scarlett, wood chipping all of his things that were left at the house. Hilarious. Yeah, I know. That was hilarious. <laughs> you go, Leslie, man. And he asks her to stop doing that and says the divorce isn't final for another two weeks. So we kind of get a little bit of a time frame for how that long this movie um happens over I guess and she says it's my house I can do what I want and then they get into a conversation about how disappointed he is with his life and (laughs) (laughs) and like he comes out and says like I am so disappointed in my life and he just like comes out and says it in other movies you see like you know they they reminisce about old you know glory days and things like that no he comes out and says I am disappointed in my life and she says well I didn't ask you to marry me And he knows he's really in a hard place because he did love Scarlett and does love Scarlett and want, you know, wanted to do well by his family. But at the same time, I think he feels that he missed out on his big shot to go to basketball and a scholarship. So they say goodbye and they move on with their days. While on his way home, it's pouring rain now. All of a sudden it starts raining. The man from earlier at the high school, the janitor, is standing on the bridge about to jump. Mike pulls over and runs over to save him, only to fall over the bridge himself into a circling drain. He wakes up and he's 17 again. Dun, dun, dun. And now we're at the premise of our film already. 17 again. He wakes up in the morning and realizes that he is 17 he goes, realizes he's Zach yeah, Efron. Yeah, goes to see <laughs> goes to see his friend Ned. And of course, Ned is like, who are you? After a fight with Ned over who he is, Ned helps Mike realize that it's the janitor is his spirit guide. And so Mike races to the high school to to see if he can talk to him. But of course, he doesn't actually work there. The spirit guide, although guides him to the gym where he where Zac Efron's character of Mark. But I'll continue with Mike throughout the entire movie because then that's getting really complicated. Mike realizes that he is 17 again so that he can play basketball and try to get a scholarship. So we are now back to being Zac Efron. Who, it's funny, I bring up the box office, $140 million made on like a fantasy comedy, like make no mistakes, that's a good chunk of money, because he was such a marketable star back then. 
So then I thought, like, who are the all-time most marketable stars? And I have for you, Sarah, yeah. actors in leading roles, biggest domestic box office gross numbers. Okay. Who, who has been in the most amount of films that have just made a ton of money at the box office? Oh, right. Oh, do I guess? I, I'm going to give... You're going to guess, but I'm going to give you a hint right off the top. All right. Because there's an obvious series of answers here. There's like 20 Marvel people on the list. Oh, I wasn't actually going to go there, interestingly you, enough, but I will. I was going to say, get them off the board All so right. we can move on to other things because they're so okay. easy. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, number two on the list. Okay. Chris Evans. 11 on the list. Oh my God. I can't think of their real names. Um, Hulk. 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 Oh, Mark oh Ruffalo's Mark number Ruffalo. 18. Thank you, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, she's number three. Good for her. You go, girl. Okay, there's one that you're... There's Gwyneth number Paltrow one. as uh, Pepper Potts? Oh, maybe. No. She's probably further down the list here. Yeah, probably. Okay. Think of like quantity of... Uh, Tom Holland. Number 17. Um, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Number nine. Who is number one? There's an easy one that you're missing that everybody is yelling at their podcast for because he <laughs> has been in like every single Avengers movie, every Marvel movie. He's always just, he just shows up. He's just there. Oh, um, oh my God. What's his name? Snakes on a plane. What's yes, his Snakes on a plane. You're right. <laughs> what is Who, it? Is, Who it? is it? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Number one on the list, baby. No way. Good for him. Dude. Well, he's. He, Hell I, yeah. I don't know if there's a single. Marvel movie he hasn't been in, but don't forget he was in The Incredibles. He was in Kong Skull Island. He was in the Kingsman movies, which made a lot of money and as well. Snakes on the Plane, yes. So, yeah, <laughs> lesser known, well, not lesser known, lesser lesser money snakes on a plane, but basically we can wipe the board with all Marvel oh, people goodness, are so probably funny. on this list somewhere if you've been in a couple. Oh my God, that made me laugh. Okay. <laughs> Who else is on the list? Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, number seven. And he is the, oh no, he's the second highest non-Marvel person. Okay. Uh, Brad Pitt. Number 42, Sarah. Wow. Oh, Angelina Jolie. I mean, if Brad Pitt is number 42, you gotta She's think be lower. Angelina Jolie all right, all right. is even lower. Um, let's say, okay, give me, give me some. I've, I've picked some good no, ones. Okay. P you have been yelling at Sarah for not picking... <laughs> Tom Hanks yet. Oh, I Tom would assume. Hanks. Like, I was going to pick Robert Williams. Hanks? Oh, Robin Williams is Robin on the list. Yeah, he's, Robin Williams. I mean, he's yeah. further down. He's in the... Uh, but he is on the list. Robin Williams. Okay. Okay. 46 on the list. Okay. Think like big franchises where I know, people I'm have trying just to think double dipped on money. I'm trying to think of Star yeah. Wars right now, but think I can't about it, think Sarah. of their... Um, well, Carrie Fisher, I'm assuming. Maybe. Um, let's, let's Harrison talk about Ford Harrison is number Ford. 10 on the list. Yes. Oh, good for... Well, that's got to be also Indiana Jones. <laughs> why, why don't I just hammer through a bunch? Yes, yes. Okay, And I mean, I can't... But th think like obnoxious franchises. All right. That are like... You guys are still doing stuff? <laughs> like Vin Diesel being on oh the list? Oh, my Obviously. God. I can't believe it. Other than Tokyo Drift, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, he shows up at the end of Tokyo oh, Drift, right? Does. Oh, you're friends with Han? Yeah, he shows up at the end. Um, oh my God, yeah, I, I cannot believe I missed that one. Another obnoxious franchise. A little bit more beloved, but Pirates of the, of the Caribbean. Johnny Depp's oh on my here. God. He's the next on the list. How did I forget that one? That's like also 18 movies. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then like this guy, I feel like everybody is like, why do they keep on putting him in these massive roles? 
But like the dude makes money is why Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh my God! You know what? Would be next. He could not be in another movie, and I would be happy about it. Oh, me too. Okay, there's actually one that I'm God. really excited for. That it's rumored that he's been cast for it, and I'm kind of like, oh, the the God of War movies. Oh, the, okay. The God of War video game series is Always. doing movies. Oh, cool. Well, they cast Dwayne the freaking Rock right, Johnson, which I don't right. love. Yeah, he's just in everything like action related and Moana. Yes. Well, I love him in Moana I because do, I don't see his face. I actually do love him in Moana. Though. Oh, yeah. He's like great. That. But, like, we've just seen him so much that yeah. it's like, I can't not see you and Kevin Hart. Or I can't not see you, like, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the Fast and the Furious Exactly. Guy. Like, just being this this big guy is in action movies. And, and one more... I'll, I'll hit you with one more because this okay. guy also fits in the same realm as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I think, of, like... Dude, I'm tired of seeing your face. Okay. It might also be your wife's fault that I see your face so much. Not Will Smith. Will Smith oh. is... <laughs> he, okay, so it goes Dwayne, Eddie Murphy, then Will Smith is next. Oh, And I'm my like, God. of course you're on here because people just can't stop putting you in movies. They're like, we got to get Will Smith in here. It's true. It is very true. Okay, can I, can I ask a question, though? Yeah. And this is somebody along the same lines for me personally. Okay. And I mean, you guys have all heard it a billion times. Who's Kristen just, Stewart. Oh, Kristen they Stewart. casting her in massive roles. Like, she just played, like, Princess Diana in Spencer a few years like and oh, she really? I believe she won some awards. She doesn't make the list. The cutoff Okay. The cutoff is and this is only domestically 1.7 billion dollars at the Oh, box office. okay. That's so a lot. So Twilight of money. but Twilight probably got her close That's, domestically. Yeah, yeah. They made a lot of money. I mean, okay, Robert Pattinson is 87 on the list. Oh, wow, he made it. So he just made it in probably because Batman? of Batman, right? He probably gets yeah. a little bit closer with that. Yeah. Oh, and the Harry Potter movie. Yeah, Cedric Diggory. That Cedric Diggory. Cedric. He was only in a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Funniest memeable thing, by the way, about Cedric. Have you seen these on TikTok? Like Cedric Diggory? How everybody talks about like that scene. How like the father of Cedric Diggory mm -hmm. has this really like emotional moment in yes. the Harry Potter movie where he's like, my son. <laughs> That's my son. This is my boy. My boy. Camera pans to I don't know why I'm Harry Potter and he's like, he's back. Voldemort's back. And it's just everybody has been poking fun at that over the last couple months. And I think it's great. It was very abrupt, that scene. I do recall. Love Daniel Radcliffe. Another hilarious Harry Potter yes. memeable moment. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's keep going with 17 again. In order for Mike to go to high school, he needs to be enrolled and he needs a parent to do so. So he convinces his bestie, Ned Gold, to be his parent, enrolls him in high school. And of course, Mike is not cool. He was popular back in 1989 and he's not popular right off the bat in this new school. He's wearing like Ed Hardy and like stuff that is not... Not a... Yeah. A lot of Kevin Federline jokes flying yes, around. Yes, which is hilarious. Which is accurate. So they meet the principal, and this conversation Jam. is absurd. This was almost, it was too awkward, but this was almost my best scene. Oh, really? It was my best scene. It was? Okay. Every time I, and they do a really dramatic, like, and here's the principal in her <laughs> hair. It's like slow-mo. Um, and every time I see her, I think about that one episode on The Office the dinner party yes, episode. I, it's iconic. Yeah. That song that plays in the background or that, that she plays of With her, her like assistant. Oh yeah, she's got the candles, she's got but candles. there's like the so
Anyway, anyway, <laughs> great scene. Um, there is immediate chemistry, maybe not going both ways, but Ned yeah. is very much into, I don't even know the principal's name. Let's just call her Jan. Um, uh, he asks to smell her hair. Mm, a little awkward. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day at school, he's dressed much better because Ned took him shopping and he even shows up in an Audi. So he, now he's cool again. Mike is in the in gym class and he does a layup and Coach Murphy comes and says, hey, that you got some skill. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> you got some skill. I don't know why I said this it. This is uh, Sarah on the streets. You're on the streets looking at some like pickup basketball. Whoa, whoa, you got some skill. I don't know. Thank why you I, for that, Sarah. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> he says, you have skill. And that no, 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 no. Say it the way you said it. <laughs> no. You got some skill, Mark. <laughs> and that it's his last year coaching and asks Mike to be on the team and come out to tryouts. How the whole basketball season only lasts about two weeks. I don't know how, <laughs> but it does. Um, also. It's a rom-com. Uh, we're just, uh, we're have, skipping the plot I have points. another big question. Mm-hmm. Mike makes a comment saying like, oh my God, you're still here. Because Coach Murphy was his coach in 1989. Correct. How would they not recognize each other? You know, I guess it's been like 20 years, right? But like, I still run into teachers now that I had in high school. Really? Yes. And they, they know me. Yeah. And I know them. It hasn't been 20 years, but you're, (laughs) see, see, on the other side, I, I know none of my teachers would recognize me and I highly doubt I would recognize 90% of them. Yeah. I I, I might recognize them, but not remember their name, you know? Okay. Well, he goes to tryouts and this is my best scene. So after he's like elated, he's like, yes, I'm back in. I'm going to be on the basketball team. This is fantastic. He goes to the washroom and somebody in one of the stalls says, I need help. And he pops over and it's his own son, Alex, who is duct taped to the toilet. He asks for help. Turns out Alex is not popular. And Mike didn't realize this. We also meet Stan, who is Maggie's boyfriend, and he's the popular guy in school. Stan tries to mess with Mike's son again in the cafeteria, and Mike stands up for him. This time, well, he does his fancy ball tricks and then puts the guy down with three things. See, according to leading psychiatrists, Stan's a bully for one of three reasons. Underneath all of that male bravado, there's an insecure little girl just banging on the closet door trying to get out. <laughs> Two, like a caveman, Stan's brain is underdeveloped. Therefore, Stan is unable to use self-control, and so he acts out aggressively. And the third reason, Stan has a small wiener. He's sensitive, a caveman, and has a small wiener. (laughs) I died. Did you find it a little awkward that he was doing these like stupid basketball tricks? I'm like, oh, no, I loved it. Really? You loved it? I loved it. I ate that up. That's why it's my best scene. God, because I was watching it like, oh, my God, you're doing basketball tricks right now. It was very entertaining. I was was, entertained. What he was saying to the guy was funny, but. Yes, but adding this, the tricks, that is very cool. One thing that I really love about this film, I I was worried that we were going to go down the path of like Mike being like, yeah, I'm back in high school. I'm going to like my my dream. I'm going to fulfill it. He quickly Mm -hmm. changes to, you know what? My kids need me. This is why I was sent back. Yes, yes. And I thought we weren't going to get to that point until the end when it's like, oh, like the friends we 
made were <laughs> along the way on the journey or like whatever. You know, those stupid like, oh, I had no idea. The lessons learned. Yeah, the lesson. Exactly. The lesson was quickly like, oh, here's what I need to do. I need to be a dad. I liked that. Yes. And I need to help my kids through, you know, through their high school experience and whatnot. It quickly became an altruistic experience yeah. instead of like, a, it's all about me. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. And I also had the question in this scene, like, why would Maggie like allow her brother to be bullied so much by her own boyfriend? Like that, that's weird. Probably because she doesn't have a strong male figure in her life. Right. Uh, Is that not what we were getting at? (laughs) I thought that was obvious. I'm like, well, it's because her dad sucks. Anyway, I don't know. I didn't get that. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that right away. Oh, okay. Well, back at Ned's place, this is where he realizes that he, the spirit guide wanted him to, to help his children. Mike heads over to his actual house that he's been kicked out of, plays a little basketball with Alex, realizing that Alex is actually really good and he should be on the team. Mike has decided he's going to get him on the team. Just as they're playing, Scarlett comes home from happy hour with her friend, uh, Naomi, Naomi. And Scarlett sees Mike and is so confused because he looks identical to Mike in high school and like squeezes his face, pulls it apart and goes, wow. You look just like my husband, doesn't he? My (laughs) ex-husband? That is so weird. It is weird. What is that? Finally, somebody is noticing it. (laughs) I know. I'm like, hey, hello, everybody. Has anybody seen a picture of this child as a a 17-year-old? Even his friend Ned, when he wakes up as Zac Efron, Ned's like, wait, who are you? It's like, you guys have been friends forever. Best friends. How do you not remember how you guys look? Like, I don't get it. Mike stops by his old house again, probably the next day, and Scarlett's getting stuff out of her trunk to put in the backyard. And so they do a little backyard tour, and he accidentally calls her Scar, which is her nickname that only her husband, Mike, called her. And she's a little bit confused. She's a little bit thrown off. And then she goes into a spiel about how, you know, I know that some high school students like older women. I'm not a cougar. Nothing will happen between the two of us. Just know that. And then there's a montage. We lead into a montage of Mike helping Alex, his son, get ready for the tryouts. Mike helping Scarlett with the backyard and Mike trying to keep Stan away from Maggie. Alex makes the team, the basketball team, and Scar's backyard looks amazing. It turns out that Scarlett is going on a date that night, dancing. And before she leaves, Mike puts on some music coincidentally the song that they danced to at their wedding and they dance together in their entrance and asks if her husband would have another shot the date shows up with a bouquet of carnations for scarlet and mike is standing right there and says carnations what a douche (laughs) (laughs) i thought this scene was really funny and he goes oh oh no that's okay you know i'm a single dad too it's always awkward when parents start dating and you know of course the son feels like then you know they need to protect the castle and and he says uh she Scarlett says, oh, no, that's not my son. And he goes, oh, yep, that's weird. That's weird then, yep. <laughs> I've got a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Leslie Mann. Yeah. Okay. I love her. Is Leslie Mann to unhappy moms as Judy Greer is to the best friend in romantic comedies? Like, I feel like Leslie Mann, all the time I'm watching a film and it's like, and here's the unhappy mom character who wants to get divorced. Eventually turned happy. Yeah, eventually turned happy. Mm-hmm. It's it's like knocked up, check. 
Yeah. This is 40. Check. Check. Like, she's just like, if you want somebody pissed at her husband, just (laughs) cast Leslie Mann. Just like if you want a best friend to the main character, you cast Judy Greer. I think you're right. You're (laughs) onto something there. She's done it a couple times now. I'm I'm convinced she might be in that lane, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but (laughs) she's in that lane. So everybody goes to Jamie, I think it's Jamie's birthday party or somebody's birthday party at the bowling alley. And Maggie isn't there, but all the girls are hitting on Mike. Clearly, he is the guy that everybody wants at high school. Mike finally finds Maggie sitting in a different part of the bowling alley, and he finds out that Maggie's plan is to move into apartment, an apartment with Stan after they graduate. And inst- instead of going to Georgetown, she's going to go to a local uh, community college so that she can be closer to him because he is on the management track at Home Depot. Mike forbids it, and Maggie walks away awkwardly. The basketball game happens, and Mike throws the winning shot to Alex, who sinks a three-pointer to win. I hope that's all correct, that I got that lingo correct. Back to Ned and his romance, romancing of the principal. After many go- uh, godly gifts, the principal finally agrees to go on a date with him. And there's going to be a victory party that same night while Ned is out at Mike's house, which is Ned's house. While leaving school, Mike finds Maggie crying in the stands, finds out that Stan dumped her. He broke up with her because she wouldn't sleep with him. He gives her a pep talk, but now Maggie is totally into Mike. Okay, yeah, Maggie, played by Michelle Trachtenberg. Can we talk about this? How um, immediately I saw her in this film, and I'm like, wow, where do I know? Obviously, she's an actress who's been in a lot of stuff. And then I looked up, she was in Euro Trip yeah. in 04. Of course, I know her from that. You <laughs> listening, you might know her from Gossip Girl. Yes. Between 08 and 2012. Mm-hmm. She's also in this. 2009, which means there was a span of eight years where mm-hmm. she was consistently playing a high schooler. Yeah. How is that possible? So I have for you, Sarah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. And you oh. listening, um, the ultimate list of actors, the like oldest actors who played high schoolers. Because Michelle, I want to say she was 27 when Gossip Girl rapped. She was 24 when this movie's happening. Right okay. Now, which yep. isn't as, it's not the most egregious, but it is kind of like, oh. You've been doing a high schooler thing for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. And why don't you give me a scale of one to ten of how shocking this is? Okay. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna start you off with, with a big one. Uh, Stalker Channing. You know this person from Greece. She played the uh, the oh. leader of the Pink Ladies, Betty Rizzo. Yeah. She was... Tw- she looked old. She did, you know what? She did look old. She was 34 when she oh, was playing yeah, a high yeah. schooler. I'd say, like, that's like a nine. Which, like, that... Uh, does that just create weird standards for women that like this yes. this person who is a woman is playing like an 18-year-old? Shout out Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, who was 26 when he was playing uh, Peter Parker. Yeah, you know what? He did look old to be playing Peter Parker in like, but I, personally, I think back to that movie and I'm like, oh, he wasn't in high school though. I feel like he was in college. The first movie he was in high school, but that's, okay. yeah, he was finishing high school. Um, this one you'll find funny. <laughs> Shirley Henderson. Do you know who that is? No. She plays Moaning Myrtle. Oh, yes. She was old. She was 36. I mean, here's the thing. In the concept of this, like, she wasn't old. She is not old. But to be playing a probably 13-year-old when she died, yeah, that's old. She was 36. Wow. You're going to love this next one. Keiko Ajina. I hope I'm saying that right. Lane Kim yes. on Gilmore Girls. Yes. You you knew this? Yeah, yeah. I did know this. She was 27 years old playing a 16-year-old. Yeah. What? Yep. How, how shocking is that? 
Oh, I like that. When I found out that, I'd say that was like a 10 because I did not think. You already knew this. Yes, I did. Gilmore Girls. I mean, yeah, obviously. Obsessed. Are we in Gilmore Girls season yet? Are you rewatching? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was definitely. It happened in like September. Oh, it's it's already passed. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. I mean, it's ongoing. Uh, Bianca Lawson from Pretty Little Liars. Okay. She played Allison. Oh, yes. She played A. Oh, is it A? I, yeah. I don't know Pretty Little Liars that well. Uh, she was 31 years old. Okay. Yeah, that's that's old. Like, I'd say that's a seven. Oh, this one's funny. Ashley Murray. Riverdale. You loved Riverdale, right? I, I liked the first season. <laughs> then I stopped watching. Oh, really? Was yeah. was Josie the lead singer of Josie and the Pussycats? Yes, she was. Oh, okay, she was. Yeah. She was 29 playing that role. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> that's older than I thought. Uh, that's like an 8.5. Okay. Our girl Stacy Dash from Clueless. Oh, this is a 10. Yeah, you were surprised by this? When I found this? out how old she was playing this role, yes. She was 28 playing a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Cause, because she looked so young, and I remember finding out how old she was. I was like, oh, like I was blown away at the time. I was like, oh, my God. Gabrielle Union. Yes. 10 Things I Hate About You. She was older than everybody else, like significantly. She was 27 playing a 16-year-old. Yeah, 10. 10. Yeah. Ben Platt. This is from uh, Dear Evan Hansen. He was 27 playing a 17-year-old. Okay. Uh, you know what? I He also played in um, Pitch Perfect. Oh, he did. Yes. yes. As well. Uh, like he would have been a college student though, like a university student. Right. Um, but that, I'd say that one's like a six. Okay. Andrew Garfield, another Spider-Man. Lots of Spider-Mans on this. He was 27 playing a 17-year-old. Yeah. I Spider-Man doesn't blow me away because I just assumed that they were older. They were like right. going to like a boxing match. I don't know. And I feel like also, you're not going to bring a 15-year-old there. They always, every time they're doing Spider-Man, they're like, okay, we're going to do like one or two movies in high school and then yes. we're going to move on. We're going to go, although the most recent trilogy, he was in high school all those years. So. That is believable. Tom Holland in high school, believable. Totally. He looks like he should be in high school. <laughs> totally agree. Yes. <laughs> like, Very believable. Know? And finally, we just did this movie, Mean Girls. We yeah. talked about it. Rachel McAdams. She was older than all of her co-stars, but mm-hmm. she was 26 playing a 16-year-old. Yeah, that's a 10 when I found out. I did know that she was older, but when I read that, I was blown away because she looks... She did such a good job as Regina George oh. that there are times when I forget that that is Rachel McAdams. I think that's the fear with a Mean Girls musical, which is coming up, that that film is dropping in the new year. Like, honestly, everybody else, I could care less. Gretchen Wieners recast her. Regina George, though, you got to nail it. You need yeah. to be every bit of Rachel McAdams' Regina George oh, or else people so are just good. not going to be impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the party is on at Ned's house and Mike's house and Alex, his um, Mike's son is hitting it off with his crush, Nicole, which before he got lit on fire, he couldn't say anything to her. So this is a real, like this is a real uh, positive experience for him. Back at the party, Stan tries to convince uh, Maggie to sleep with him again. And Maggie says, no, she's with somebody else now. Mike goes to try and punch Stan out, but ends up getting punched in the face himself and knocked out cold by Stan. He wakes up and he is in Maggie's lap and she begins to try to hook up with him. Awkward. Mm -hmm. This was Mm -hmm. a really awkward moment. (laughs) Ned and the principal get to Ned's house and they're going back from dinner to hook up. But it ends up being a massive party there. And so the principal clears out the entire party. Maggie sees that her mother is there to pick up Alex 
um, and Maggie. And Mike kisses her on the balcony. So Mike kisses Scar on the balcony and she slaps him. Naturally. I mean. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So fast forward a few days, I would say it's the day of court and Ned and Mike make it there just in time to stop the divorce. Mike has a letter. Um, well, I guess in this case, the only time that I'm going to say this in this whole entire podcast is Mark, Zach Efron, shows up to court to try to stop it and says, I have a letter from Mike. Let me read it. And so Scar lets him read it. It's very heartfelt, comes clean about how he blamed her for his failures, but asks that she doesn't go through with the divorce and says, And I know that you think you have to do this today, but I don't want you to. <laughs> but I guess if I love you, I should let you move on. It's extremely like, I think I cried during this. Oh, a weep warning. I did have a weep hey, warning because it was just so just like, to have a weep I know. And I did. I did have one. And Scarlett asks that the judge postpone after the letter reading. Um, and so the judge agrees, postponed 30 days. And she walks over to the letter and it's not a letter at all. It's just a piece of paper from the court that he picked up along the way. And everything he said was true and came from his heart. And she realizes in this moment that it is in fact her husband, Mike. It's Mike. It's the night of the big basketball game and there's a scout there. It's very much redo of 1989 and right before the game starts, Mike does something like a, like a shot in the air, like an air ball kind of thing. Um, and in that moment, it makes it overwhelmingly clear that this is Mike to Scarlett. Like Scarlett realizes, oh my God, this is my husband as a 17-year-old again. She gets up to leave and Mike runs after Scarlett and he turns as he's going down the hallway, running after Scarlett, very reminiscent of the first scene in this movie. Um, he's running down and he goes through that drain again. It's virtual this time. And he goes and becomes his own, his old self. Matthew Perry's back. And one thing I, I love about the ending of this film, and I know Sarah does as well, because Sarah, you love closure, right? I do. What actually happens? It appears that they got back together. Yep. But then we get... Mike preparing for his first day as the new basketball coach at his kid's school. That's his his new journey, his new career in life. Um, Jane gifts him a whistle. Everybody's happy in their new lives and their new place. And all, all appears to be right in the world. There we have it. Thank you, Spirit Guide. Like, honestly, a pretty solid film. I, I was pretty impressed. I enjoyed this movie and I always have every time I've seen it. I can I say I had low-ish expectations mostly because Yeah, you did. Well, mostly because of like how we felt about Zach Efron back then. He could do no wrong. He was he was amazing and I'm like, okay, this is going to be some Hannah Montana BS. Like I don't even know what show he was in, but I'm puffing you. Even even the movie cover, I'm like, "Oh god, it's Zach Efron with a tie, a leather jacket, sunglasses." Prove me wrong. It was like, it's not in the upper echelon, but like, this is a solid watch. Yeah. Like, I think it's like, it, it kind of has, like you mentioned earlier, the Freaky Friday vibes. Like, it's it's definitely in that realm. And and it's probably because it was done around the same time. And you know what I was thinking about? It's also like this This came out well after this movie, but was senior year with Rebel Wilson yeah. inspired by this a little bit, I think. Oh, I feel like it pulled on several movies. Yeah. For, for the, yeah. But I, I would agree. Yeah. Let's dive into quick facts. This movie was shipped to theaters under the code name Rewind. 
This is a remake of the Disney TV movie Young Again from 1986, starring a very young Keanu Reeves in one of his earliest roles. This movie has a similar title and premise to 18 Again! Exclamation mark from 1988, but is not acknowledged to be a remake. Also, this movie is a little different in that it has a 37-year-old becoming his 17-year-old self again, whereas 18 Again! has an 81-year-old man swapping bodies with his 18-year-old grandson. Zac Efron called Matthew Perry for help on his lines and mimicking some of his movements to give a more authentic performance. And he nailed it. He did feel every bit of Matthew Perry. Visual effects were not used when Zac Efron does the basketball tricks during the cafeteria scene. He really did accomplish all of that on his own. Towards the end of filming, Zac Efron had appendicitis. At first, Thomas Lennon advised Efron that it was, in fact, bad wind and advised him to hang upside down to cure it. When started out as a, what started out as a stomach ache soon led to him checking it out after filming and having surgery the same night. Leslie Mann would again play the wife of a husband having a body swap experience in the movie The Change Up from 2011. Leslie Mann is only 13 years older than Michelle Trachtenberg, who plays her daughter. In one scene, Mike wakes up and begins describing his dream of being in high school again, only to find his daughter Maggie caring for him. This is an homage to the counterpart scene in Back to the Future from 1985, in which Marty McFly wakes up and finds his teenaged mother caring for him. And in both cases, something weird almost happens. (laughs) After Mike's party, Ned Gold slaps Mike three times. After the third slap, Zach Efron, Zach Efron's face is visibly red on the, the, on the left side. When Scarlett looks at the old picture of Mike in the yearbook, you can briefly see Scarlett's picture in the book before it scrolls up to Mike's. If you watch closely, you can see that her maiden name is Porter. Thomas Lennon and Matthew Perry also appeared in The One in Vegas Part 1 from 1999 and The One in Vegas Part 2, 1999 as well, but did not share any scenes. They later teamed up in The Odd Couple in 2015. Zac Efron wears the same outfit in this film as he does in High School Musical 3 senior year from, 20, in, from 2008 during the Boys Are Back musical number. The outfit is a red plaid shirt with a white v-neck tee underneath. The only difference is the color of jeans. One is black and the other is blue. He also wears a bandana in High School Musical 3. The outfits in 17 Again can be seen during the party scene, especially when Mark, or Mike, is talking to Scarlett on the balcony. So wait, does that mean that 17 Again is in the same universe as High School Musical? No. Okay, okay. (laughs) I thought that's what you were getting at. This was the final theatrical film appearance of actor Matthew Perry before his death on October 28, 2023. The film references the Lord of the Rings extensively. The films of the three Lord of the Ring books were made by New Line Cinema, which also made this film. In the last basketball game scene, when Ned and Principal Jane are talking and Ned's discussing the Lord of the Rings, music similar to Breaking of the Fellowship from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, soundtrack can be heard. Randy Gordon and Jim Gaffigan are the only actors who play the same characters in both 1989 and 2007. A young Matthew Perry starred in Second Chance from 1987 about a young man who was visiting was visited by his time-displaced older self. Hunter Parrish appears alongside Zac Efron and is a basketball player in this movie. By coincidence, he auditioned for the role of basketballer Troy Bolton in High School Musical 
that went to Zac Efron. Actresses Kat Graham and Tia Sirkar both worked on The Vampire Diaries the very same year as Bonnie Bennett and Amy Bradley, respectively. Michelle Trachtenberg and Zac Efron both starred in movies about President John F. Kennedy. Michelle played Marina Oswald in Killing Kennedy in 2013, and Zac played Dr. Jim Carrico in Parkland in 2013, both released in the year 2013 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Kennedy's death. Melora Harding's character in this movie, Jane Masterson, has a similar name to her character in The Office, Jan Levinson. And her ex-husband's last name in The Office was Gould. And in this movie, she starts dating Ned Gold. In the beginning of the movie, Mike O'Donnell is seen wearing a jersey number of zero. At the end of the movie, Mike's son Alex is now wearing jersey number zero, instead of the 24 jersey he had before. The cafeteria scene where Mike is making fun of the bully, Stan, is a parallel to the lunchroom scene in Just One of the Guys from 1985, where Rick makes fun of the bully, Greg. Honorable mentions. I would like to honorably mention Zac Efron's abs. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. I'm not even going to. He was like, he had the world on fire around them. Yes, he did. It was like Zac Efron, One Direction. Those were the things. Um, Yeah. And they all shared shared the same haircut. And Justin Bieber. They all had similar (laughs) hair. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Obviously, my honorable mention is Matthew Perry. You know, like he, this was, as you said, his last, his last film before, uh, passing away, mm-hmm. um, which is weird to say because it happened in 09 and he's yes. passed away this year. He, he, did, he did a lot of TV. I was going to say, he was on, like he had a, a part in Cougar Town, The Good Wife, he had a recurring role, Mr. Sunshine. Um, so he, he was still doing things. And this is, I mean, I guess Im- important to talk about now in that he did a lot of philanthropy work around, you know, his struggles with... Um, you know, substance abuse and stuff like that. And he actually talked about before passing away how he would prefer to be remembered for his work helping other people who went through sh- similar struggles as opposed to Chandler Bing from Friends, which is why, you know, I, we haven't really talked about Friends because yeah. of that. Like he wanted to be known for the other thing, which is really, really important. And actually since his passing, there is the Matthew Perry Foundation, um, which is by the National Philanthropic Trust, um, and there were also a, f- a few things that he was doing previous uh, to that as well. What should have been? So I went back and forth for this movie on whether or not the kids should have figured it out that it was their dad. I was thinking that too. That yeah. was like the only thing. And to be honest, I still haven't landed on what I would have preferred. <laughs> but because sometimes movies like this allow somebody to realize, and I guess that person in this case was Ned, who needed to be his, like, parent. And Scarlet right at the end. And Scarlet right at the end, which I think was the way it should have been played. And But I, but again, I, I went back and forth on this because I didn't know which I would have liked better. My what should have been is kind of like a, a what should have been and what will be because obviously the other half of this film is Zac Efron. And like, dude, like, can, can we predict what he's going to do next? Because like, you know, let's be real. He did Hairspray. He did High School Musical. Uh, this 17 again happened in 09. But like, he really. He did Baywatch. He did Baywatch. But like, he even previous to that, High School Musical was kind of like the yeah. big thing 
that he was in and known for along with maybe a few other, you know, small things. But then like Charlie St. Cloud, he was in liberal arts was pretty good, but now he's, um, doing down to earth with Zac Efron. Are you familiar with, he actually won a daytime Emmy. I've seen, for this. I've seen trailers of it and I've, I've, it's on my list to dive into when I have a chance. It's kind of like a travel show. Like it feels a little bit like an Anthony Bourdain thing. Like it's, it's just a travel show with, with Zac Efron, but I find it kind of funny that he's kind of like, the last real show he did was Entourage back in 09. But he does have something coming out. He's he's has movies going on. He's got a family affair. He's got the Iron Claw, which actually looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The the first trailer dropped for it. It's like a wrestling family. Yeah. But it's kind of like he's doing a lot more like just interesting. I think I think he's just picking what he wants to do. Like right, genuinely. Which fair enough. Like Iron Claw looks like it could be like a good success, but it's still distributed by a24 which is known for like ooh it's going to be a little bit more artsy it's going to be a little bit mm. more like dialogue heavy and less like explosions and right, stuff right right you know? yeah less explosions and stuff yeah it's going to be so it is like I, I don't know i i think his career arc is going in a very interesting direction like he was just ted bundy a couple years ago oh extremely God. wicked shockingly evil and vile right the wow. netflix one yes. he also executive produced that and that was a huge thing. Like, Zach Efron's going to be Ted Bundy? God. And he nailed it. Yes. Crazily. My rewatchability is Chemistry 4.5, Storyline 3.8, Thirst Factor 5, Imagination 2.6. We have lots of movies like this. Soundtrack, Solid 5, Unreal. Cheese, 3.2 for an overall score of 4.01 out of 5. Yeah, I've got Chemistry, a 4 out of 5. Storyline, a 3.8. Um, like you said, Thirst Factor, perfect five out of five, obviously. Um, imagination is where I'm going to knock this one a little mm. bit because like we talked about, there's there's so much inspiration this probably took from so many other things. Uh, 2.8. Soundtrack, though, it's a 4.8 out of five. Like we got Limp Biscuit, We got The Pretenders. We got Spoon. We got Vincent, Vincent, and The Villains. That's true. I, I don't actually know know that them, but uh, the, they just happen to be on the, the like Yin Yang Twins, Young MC, Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. Love it. I think Les Artist is on there too. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Santa Gold. Good, good grab. I love Sarah, that song. That's why. 4.8 out of 5 for soundtrack. And then Cheese. Cheese does come down. Mostly it's that basketball scene, which is funny oh, that see, it's your best I, scene. <laughs> my Cheese was high because I... Thought the cheese in this was really good. There was also the scene where um, they're talking about safe sex at school, and uh, oh, not 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 that they're having sex at school. No, that, no, no. That safe sex is occurring, I and they're talking about it forgot about that scene. Yeah, okay, I could and, I could understand that. And Zac Efron is all like, "Wow, how, how dare you have sex before marriage?" And I'm like, "Oh gosh, you know what? It was funny. It was cringy." I forgot about that one though. Yeah, uh, two point two out of five. Fair enough. Uh, I've got an overall score here. Of 3.77. That's a good score. Out of five, which is good. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is a great watch. It is. Um, it's so fun. On Netflix. On Netflix, nothing wrong with watching 17 again. Like we said, Matthew Perry's uh, last film. Thanks for listening. <laughs>